Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Takes a shot, runs into the box, shot, score! It's time for Atlanta Sucker Tonight. Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer. Rebound, score! This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta soccer tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Welcome to our weekly show. We cover soccer all over the city of Atlanta, all over the state of Georgia, all over the country and all over the world, especially on a night like tonight where we've had some wild results in World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF Nations League, which is essentially Copa America qualifying. We've got Mexico right now trying to overturn a 2-0 deficit. They've got one back at halftime against Honduras. Mexico is not in the Copa America as things currently stand. They would have an opportunity in March to play their way in, but that's adding a little bit of extra stress, isn't it? The U.S. has qualified for Copa America. And speaking of next summer's Copa America, coming up in the second segment, you will hear from Dan Corso, the president of the Atlanta Sports Council, to talk about the opening match of the Copa America coming to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the World Cup coming in a couple of years, all of the processes that go into bringing those kind of events and what they mean to the city of Atlanta. You'll hear from Dan Corso in an interview coming up in segment number two. But in segment number one, I'm going to kind of split this into two because there's two very different topics that I want to start tonight's AST with. And I'm going to start with the game that just ended in Rio de Janeiro, Argentina and Brazil, Brazil hosting. This is one of the great classicos in the soccer world. It's one of the great rivalries in the sports world. And tonight showed some of the ugliness of rivalry. And especially when we get into representing countries The start of the match was delayed due to issues in the stands between Brazilian police and Argentine fans. 
And this isn't the first time. There were issues in the recent Copa Libertadores final in Rio between Boca fans and Brazilian police when Argentinos Juniors was there in the Copa Libertadores previously in the tournament. There were issues between the Brazilian police and the fans of Argentinos Juniors. Remember, last time Argentina was due to play Brazil in a World Cup qualifier, the game didn't even get played. It was one of the crazier moments before tonight that I had ever seen. Argentina goes to Rio. And remember, this was during the pandemic. The game started in an empty stadium. And five minutes after it started, Brazilian health officials stormed the field, one of them with a gun in his back pocket. And they ran on to stop Argentina's England-based players from playing. The Brazilian health officials said that those players had breached the country's COVID-19 quarantine rules. Argentina thought that they were functioning under the same rules that the Copa America, which was played in Brazil during the pandemic, was played under, which was different than the Brazilian national quarantine rules. It was a huge mess. That game never even got played. And for a while, it looked like tonight was not going to get played. When I turned the game on on Telemundo at 7.30, first things I saw were Brazilian police beating Argentine fans with their nightsticks. The Argentine players went over to the stands. They were at field level, but they were right next to the stands trying to calm everyone down, asking everyone to stop. Dibu Martinez, the goalkeeper for Argentina, he actually jumped up to try to grab a police officer's nightstick as he was swinging it at an Argentine fan. Argentina went to the locker room. Lionel Messi said, we're, we're done. We're going to the locker room. And they did. They went there for a few minutes. There were some reports, and I'm sure we'll hear more about it tomorrow in terms of exactly how things went down. But there were some reports that Conmebol, the overseer of the World Cup qualifying competition in South America, the reports were that Ball said, you've got 15 minutes to get back on the field and play, or the game's a forfeit. They came back out. When they came back out, multiple Brazilian players were very argumentative with them. Rodrigo and Messi got into it. Multiple players were having a go at Rodrigo de Paul. Uh, Emerson Royale was, was going at multiple Argentine players. The game kicked off just before 8 o'clock, and it was really ill-tempered in the first half, and that continued on as the night went on. Rodrigo DePaul was smacked in the face twice, the first one drawing blood from his nose. There were 22 fouls called in the first half, 16 of them on Brazil, which we talk about Joga Bonito when it comes to Brazil all the time, and when Brazil is at their best, they are an amazing team to watch, and the talent is top-notch. But when they're not, and that can be for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's their own dysfunction, like the situation they're in right now with uh, multiple caretaker managers having come and gone. Right now, you're kind of just sitting around waiting for Carlo Ancelotti to show up when the Real Madrid season is over. It's a bad situation. It's even worse with Neymar's injury. The form hasn't been good. When that happens for Brazilian teams, you see a very different side of the Brazilian soccer culture. One that I think you see at times in the Brazilian league, which is extremely physical. Some horrendous fouls happen in that league. And 
you saw that tonight from the Brazilian national team. It was honestly very sad to see. Nicolas Otamendi made sure that Argentina got their goal and got their lead and ultimately got their win. Otamendi with a thunderous header in the second half. He had a big defensive clearing header very late. Argentina, a historic win in the Maracanã in Rio 1-0. Game finished with 42 fouls in total, 26 of those on Brazil. If you listen to our Atlanta United calls here on 92.9 The Game, before the game, I try to give you a sense of of how games are going to get called from the referee statistics. And generally what I'm looking at in that is the number of fouls they call, cards that they throw over their career, over the season, et cetera, et cetera. 42 fouls is a crazy, crazy number. I can't think of an Atlanta United match that had 42 fouls in it ever, let alone the season. One team committing 26 fouls. The majority of teams are in the 12 range. It could be a little bit more, it could be a little bit less. Around 12 per game. 26 from Brazil. Just awful. And it's bad soccer. They it really had nothing going on in the match at home with their fans starting to cheer them on and then just getting frustrated. And after Otamendi's header, as the game got late, you saw droves of fans leaving the Maracanã, something you would never expect from the Brazilian fan base in a home game in Rio. Argentina gets the win, and when we look at the overall table in Ball, we'll get into some of the other results in the 3-4-3 at the end of the show. Argentina leads World Cup qualifying in South America with 15 points through six. They lost to Uruguay in Buenos Aires last time out last week. Uruguay's in second. Colombia's in third. Venezuela's in fourth at the moment. Ecuador's in fifth. Mentioned, I haven't said Brazil yet, have I? They're sixth. Right now, that is an automatic qualification spot. In the past, it was the top four. Now with the expanded World Cup in 2026, it's the top six out of 10 that automatically go. The seventh spot is in a playoff situation. Brazil is two points above that playoff line right now. Things have to change. And you are in the situation at the moment where you have a caretaker manager, Fernando Denise, kind of, sort of, he was also with Fluminense. Um, he's keeping his job at Fluminense. He's joining Brazil only for the qualifiers. It's a total mess. All we saw from Denise was yelling and screaming on the sideline. Really, no changes to anything as Brazil wasn't even playing against a great edition of Argentina tonight. They were okay. They were on the road, and I think they would have been happy if they'd gotten a draw. They're ecstatic with the win. They were probably a little spurred on by the scenes before the game, but Brazil was awful, and they've been pretty awful in this World Cup qualification process. Something's got to change for Brazil, and I can't wait to see what the reaction is to tonight's loss. They don't like to lose at home, period. They've dropped a lot of points at home in this process. They don't like to lose to Argentina anywhere. And now they've lost two massive games to Argentina the last two times at the Maracanã. The Copa America final 
and this one tonight. Now let's get into the second part of the first segment of Atlanta soccer tonight. A little bit extended here to open the show tonight after the Hawks game ended. Atlanta United announced their year-end roster moves last week. And let's get into what happened and what is still to happen at this stage. There's a lot of things that are going to come up here shortly in Major League Soccer once the season ends. It's kind of a sprint to the end of the year at that point where there will be a trade window that will open up. There's a waiver draft. There is the re-entry draft. There's the college draft. There's all kinds of things going on. Free agency opens up. Atlanta United is going to be active in that because they opted to not bring back a lot of players from this past roster. Now, I do think that some of the headlines and conversation about sweeping sweeping changes and sending everybody away, it's, it's overblown. When you look at, especially at the end of the season, who was contributing, there's two. There's Miles Robinson, who we've known was going to be out of contract at the end of the year. Mateus Hosechu, who we knew was going to be out of contract. Hosechu, they are not negotiating to bring Hosechu back. That's a little bit of a surprise. I thought he played very, very well, was on a high salary. Can that be better? Talk about what that positional need will be here in a second. Miles Robinson, there's a contract offer on the table. That's really it in terms of who was contributing at the end of the season. Machope Chol's option was declined. He was injured for a lot of the second half of the year. Did play in 19 games this year. Scored a couple of goals. Started four times. I think he would have played more if he had been healthy. You also have to wonder if he can stay healthy at this level for extended periods of time. Jackson Conway's option was declined. Uh, They sent him to Phoenix on loan to start the year. That didn't work out. I don't think Phoenix lived up to their end of the bargain there. Jackson came back with Atlanta United, too, and I thought he played very well. He maybe isn't the best fit style-wise for this Atlanta United team. I hope Chole and Conway, two homegrown players from Atlanta United's academy, go on and find a spot that suits them and fits them. And that could be an MLS. That could be in USL Championship. I just hope they find a spot where they get to play consistently because they need to do that at the stage of their career. Claymont Diop's option was declined. Justin Garces's option was declined. Another one with injury issues. I thought he had a great start last year when he got playing time. Then he was injured. Took him a long time to get back this year. Had an injury at the very end of the Atlanta United 2 season. Garces is another one who's got to go somewhere and play. Efrain Morales' option was declined, but they are negotiating to bring him back. And I thought he really did grow a good bit this year. I don't know what the terms of the option would have been. Maybe he will come back on an Atlanta United 2 contract. That's pure speculation on my end. I would like to see what he can do with another year of staying healthy, which had always been an issue with him as well but also playing purely as a center back. I thought he had some really good performances at center back. I thought he had some where he looked like he hadn't played the position a whole lot. Give him another full year there, and I'd like to see if he can turn into a major league soccer level talent. Other players out of contract, in addition to the ones that I mentioned, Ozzy Alonso, Miguel Berry, Amar Sadich, Quentin Westberg, they are negotiating with Quentin Westberg to come back, and that is not dependent on Brad Kazan's future which is another question right now, along with Shonday Silva's purchase option 
being picked up. The decision to make that option turn into a purchase has not been triggered yet. They've got till the end of the year to make that. So my question marks at this stage of the offseason for Atlanta United are, who will be the six next season? Is that going to be Jay Fortune, who started two of the three playoff games, or is it going to be a new signing? Can Santiago Sosa or Franco Ibarra, who are both under contract with Atlanta United, can they be part of that conversation? I think Fortune is the best fit. I thought he looked the best paired with Tristan Muyamba. if you're not bringing Mateus Hosechi back, who I thought really looked good with Muyamba. Fortune is a lot cheaper when it comes to the salary cap hit than Hosechi. Is he ready to be a regular starter in this league? He's really close. I don't really know the answer to that just yet. You'll need a new starting center back if Miles Robinson doesn't come back. You'll also need a new number three center back either way, in my opinion, because Noah Cobb, he still needs games to continue his development. I think he's best served as the number four center back on the depth chart who can go to Atlanta United too rather than sit the bench all year long just in case he's needed, a little bit of spot duty here and there. You need another one because Juano Parata's purchase option is not going to be picked up. Parata said his goodbyes to the Atlanta United fans this week. Goalkeeper. It's a question for either now or for the future, or both is really the way you have to look at it, even if Brad Gazan comes back. Carlos Bocanegra stressed the desire to bring someone in to compete with him. He's under contract. But after the loss in Columbus, he did leave the door open to whether he would come back or not. He's taken time away to figure out what he wants to do. If he does, you need someone to push him. I don't think you had that enough this season. I don't think Quentin Westberg and Claymont Diop ended up consistently being that. Vicente Reyes could have been. He's gone. He went to Norwich City. Justin Garces, the injury slowed that process down. This is a big decision, I think, in the long run for Atlanta United at the goalkeeper spot. Winger, if Shande Silva isn't brought back, can Tyler Wolf take that next step to be a regular starter? Or can Edwin Mosquera take that step? Or do you go get a new winger to bring in to play on that left side opposite of Saba Lobjanidza, Mosquera, and Wolf still options off the bench? And look, you always have to monitor potential interest in Tiago Almada and Caleb Wiley. There was also talk of interest in Yorgos Yakamaki's last season. I think that would be a, a ridiculous offer that it would take to bring him back to Europe at this stage. I think he's really happy here. Wiley and Almada will get interest. Will the offer be good enough? It's way too early to tell. The window in Europe opens up in January, and we'll see what comes for Tiago Almada and for Caleb Wiley. We'll be talking about Atlanta United all offseason, but there's other things happening in Atlanta soccer as well. Huge news this week. Atlanta will host the opening match of the 2024 Copa America tournament. Coming up next on AST, we'll talk to Dan Corso, president of the Atlanta Sports Council, about how, how everything came together and what it means for the city. Stay with us. Atlanta soccer tonight returns in five on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back to Atlanta Soccer Tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Now joined by the president of the Atlanta Sports Council, Dan Corso. Dan, thanks for taking some time for us tonight. Oh yeah, it's great to uh, great to join you and love what you guys do. Appreciate uh, what you do to support uh, the game of soccer in Atlanta United here in, uh, in our in our community. It's been amazing to see the growth of everything over the years, and now an event that we have never had in Atlanta before. Copa America, the opening match is going to be in Atlanta. Walk us through the process of bringing this huge event to our city. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and calling it huge is a good word for it, Jason. Um, it is the uh, actually the world's oldest soccer tournament starting back in 1916. It's a quadrennial tournament and uh, will bring together, uh, together some of the best um, teams uh, from uh, the South American region and North American region. So um, just learned uh, last night that the U.S. qualified, right, which is great news. Very, very exciting. Uh, perfect timing uh, on the announcement day uh, that Atlanta would be hosting a big part of this tournament that the U.S. team qualifies. So uh, love that that happened. Um, but, you know, uh, as you said, it is uh, a really, really big tournament, 16 total teams, uh, just incredible, passionate fan bases. Uh, you're looking at teams like Argentina, uh, Brazil, Mexico, U- the U.S., uh, as I guess the core teams within that group. So we're really excited. And uh, the news uh, just announced that Atlanta and Mercedes-Benz Stadium would be hosting the opening match of the tournament, which is June 20th of 2024. Uh, and you know, um, you're going to get one of those good teams to be a part of that, at least in that matchup, one of the teams in that matchup. So just an incredible opportunity and uh, so thankful for uh, the partnership uh, with the team over at Atlanta uh, United, uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, City of Atlanta, and everybody that went and uh, got involved in this process to make it happen. How big of a deal do you think an event like this is? I know we're going to talk World Cup here in a second, and mm-hmm. this is not quite that, but as close as you can possibly be to that. How big of a deal is this going to be next summer? Well, I think it's huge. Anytime you can get... Um, a mega event or a major event to come into our community because it's such a competitive process, right? Cities all over would like to host a Copa or a FIFA World Cup or any other major sporting event that that's on a rotational basis. So 
for our uh, region to be able to host this event is a, is a big accomplishment because it, it is very competitive. But in the sense of soccer, and if you look at what Atlanta United have done to raise our soccer profile around the world uh, and the success of that franchise on and off the pitch, I think has really, really helped in the message that Atlanta in the state of Georgia is a soccer hotbed. And having these events call Atlanta and the state of Georgia as a, as a destination for their events, I think adds to that narrative. You could also add the fact that, you know, with the recent news that U.S. soccer is going to name Atlanta as their uh, headquarters and their training center uh, is another feather in the cap and just a, a great accomplishment for all of those organizations that put the time and effort to make that happen. So now you've got Atlanta United winning the cup, hosting an MLS all-star game here in Atlanta. Then you've got um, U.S. soccer calling Atlanta home. You've got the Copa America news. We had the EPL uh, summer series earlier this year, right? So four um, great teams from the EPL participating in Atlanta. And of course, the road to the World Cup in 20, 2026. So all of that great soccer activity uh, from an event standpoint and from a just a day-to-day um, part of our profile, I think is really huge. And then of course, you got groups like, you know, Soccer in the Streets and Station Soccer that are impacting the community through the sport. Um, it just all adds up to be just um, a great, great um, part of Atlanta's story as to how soccer is really impacting our community. How much has that changed during your time in bringing these big events to the city across all the sporting spectrum to now, instead of going out and trying to bring the Mexican national team or the Gold Cup, for example, mm -hmm. now you have people knocking on your door wanting to bring soccer events to the city. How much has that changed over your time? Well, it's as I said earlier, it's getting more competitive because now you have more and more markets that are coming online with bigger venues, better venues. Um, nothing like what we have here, of course. But uh, so and, and these events know that cities want to host them. So they'll shop it around a little bit and see, you know, what types of arrangements that they can make in, in different markets. We happen to have uh, a great infrastructure with a stadium. Uh, a great corporate community, a great volunteer network of, of Atlantans and Georgians that want to be a part of this event to help uh, out put on help put on these events. You've got the um, transportation infrastructure, right? You've got great media that supports these events. So you know, hotels and hospitality all around um, the region. So all of that adds up from a, from a hosting standpoint. It's really tough tough to beat that combination. But you know, at the same time. You know, you've got um, you've got opportunities to create legacies and, and, and positive social impacts from hosting these events. So it's not all about economic benefit, right, from hosting them. There's an opportunity to really create a difference in the market and to help perhaps different parts of our community, um, you know, stand out a little bit when we're hosting these events and try to find ways to, to benefit them. And, you know, when these events come to town. So. Look, they're they're big. Uh, they take a lot of work uh, to put on. It's not an overnight turn the switch and here comes the event. Uh, but when the, the major events that have a recruitment process uh, where it's managed by an organization, that's the role that we play. Sometimes there's an event that goes directly to a venue and says, hey, we want to bring our event. Do you have this date available? And then that venue will work directly with that event, you know, on a case by case basis. But when it's a large city a competitive city to city bid that's where we get involved 
let's talk a little bit about 2026 and just where things stand. It feels like it's a long way away, but we know in, in this kind of space, it, you never have enough time to prepare for everything. Where does everything stand in terms of what games Atlanta is going to get, when that announcement could be coming, and just the preparation for hosting multiple World Cup games in a few years? Yeah, I like the way you, you put that, uh, Jason, because that's kind of how we live right now. We, we want it to happen tomorrow, but we also want 10 more years. You know, yes. it's, like, it's like there's not enough time, and I wish it was here, you know, now. Yeah. Um, so if you look back, this process began back in 2017 when we first received notification that um, North America was going to put forth a bid to FIFA to host it. And that was the call to action for cities, including Atlanta, to say, get on board. And I think there was 32, maybe more cities that wanted to be a part of it. Well, during that phase, while North America was going after the event, they cut it down to 16, right? And so Atlanta made the cut. So they put that list to FIFA. Of course, in 2018, North America was named the host country. First time ever, or countries, I should say, three countries participating in the bid, first time ever. So Canada, U.S., and Mexico all together, 16 cities amongst those three countries. And ever since that point in time, we've been working with FIFA to kind of get prepared. So um, fast forward to today, five years later, we're still in that prep mode, still working with FIFA, taking information as they give it, um, meeting with them in person, virtually, over the phone, meeting with other cities to talk about how they're preparing because what's unique about this event, unlike a Super Bowl or unlike a college football playoff championship, which we have coming up in 2025, right? right. Yeah, that's one event, one city, one day. This is 11 U.S. cities, 16 in total, hosting the same event over a 30 to 40 day period. So there's a lot of learning that you can do. Like, how are we integrating with Miami, the other city in the Southeast that's hosting matches? What can we do to cross promote with Miami? you know, for fans that are coming from, you know, um, abroad to participate in both of our markets. So uh, I find that really refreshing. That's been a great part of this process to work with other cities and listen and learn how they're doing and for them to ask us kind of how we're approaching things. At the same time, we're all talking to FIFA about our respective plans and what we're doing locally to prepare with them. Um, understand that this is FIFA's event. Right. And so they they operate the event and it's our role to kind of get everything ready to go for them when they come to town and put on the big show. So uh, that's an interesting um, part of the planning for us as well. So I think we're we're ready to go. We've got a great uh, group of organizations involved in the planning, multiple organizations, the city, the state, the stadium, the ACDB, uh, corporations, um, soccer in the streets, just every a lot of groups are involved in this. So. Uh, we are awaiting FIFA to announce the tournament schedule. Uh, we hope to have that by the end of the year. We've been told that it's coming, and that is the time that uh, we will know exactly how many matches Atlanta will host, the dates of those matches, and the level of the tournament that we will host. Cannot wait for that announcement. Still got my fingers crossed for a semifinal. I know it's crazy competitive right now around the country, but I want to finish with this. You mentioned legacy a couple of times, and that is something that's close to my heart, having worked for soccer in the streets and understanding just the power of sport with these soccer events coming and Copa America first and maybe a club world cup in 2025 and then the world cup in 26. 
what is is your role in kind of tying all those connections with soccer in the streets and the city and the, the county and, and all of those aspects to leave a legacy after the event's done? Well, you really work closely with the event organizer. So in the case, you know, Con the Ball with the Copa and um, FIFA with the club, if that happens here. And then, of course, FIFA with the World Cup in 26. So you kind of work with them to engage local partners at the city, uh, at the community level. A lot of leaders, a lot of organizations involved in that. And you kind of figure out, okay, what's unique to our market that the the event organizer would like to, to be a part of? Um, and for us, I think it always goes down to um, uh, youth, you know, in a lot of cases uh, and growing the game of soccer. In these particular cases, they're all uh, intent on growing the game, which is kind of interesting because it's the more, what's most popular sport, right, in game is soccer. It's played everywhere. But yet the idea is how do we continue to grow it? And so I think, you know, how do, how do we look at ways of doing that? Uh, in our community, but we also look beyond just Metro Atlanta and look throughout different parts of the state. And so how can we help support communities in other parts of the state through the hosting of this event? Even though the matches are held in downtown Atlanta over the period of time of the World Cup or the Copa, doesn't mean that you know, other parts of the region of the state can, cannot benefit from it. So we'll look at ways of identifying that. Can't wait to see how everything comes together. I'm I'm excited to see who's going to be in that opening match next summer and yeah. what matches we'll get in the World Cup. Dan, thank you so much for the time tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate your support. Thank you for having me on. Thanks again to Dan Corso for taking some time earlier today to chat about the Copa America coming, the World Cup coming. There's been talk about the Club World Cup coming in 2025. There's also been talk about the U.S. getting the Women's World Cup in 2027. You might just want to get ready for a lot of summers of soccer coming up over the next few years. going to be really exciting to be here in the A. Coming up next on AST, three local stories, four headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that we love so much. The 343, it's up next on 929 the game and the Odyssey app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
It's time to wrap up tonight's show with the 343. Three, four, three. Three local stories, four headlines from around the world, and three things that made you smile about the game. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back. Atlanta Soccer Tonight, final segment on a Tuesday night recapping all the craziness in the world of soccer just tonight let alone over the last week and there's still maybe about 10 to 15 minutes of craziness down in mexico city that we might get a chance to talk about i'll keep you posted on the mexico honduras result there in the 84th minute right now mexico still needs another goal to pull things level with honduras in Concacaf nations league which doubles as copa america qualifying but y'all know how the 343 works by now. Three local stories, four headlines, and three things that make me smile about this game that I love so much. Let's start with the local stuff. Number one, a couple of Atlanta United Academy players called up to national team duty over the past week. James Donaldson from the Atlanta United U15s has been called up to the U.S. youth national team for an upcoming trip to Europe. Donaldson has made it to a couple of national team camps already. One to watch in that goalkeeper pipeline from the Atlanta United Academy. Also, big congrats to Braden Barnett of the Atlanta United U19s for earning a call-up to the Puerto Rican full senior national team tonight for CONCACAF Nations League. Barnett was an unused substitute in Puerto Rico's Nations League match earlier tonight. Speaking of those U19s, Atlanta United came up just a little bit short in the UPSL Georgia Premier Division. Dalton United, they won the regular season title. They had to win both games over the weekend. Both games were pretty tight, but they got it done with a 1-0 win over Legends FC down in in LaGrange on Sunday night. The Atlanta United Academy team, it's Pretty much U19s, although you have a few players who play up with that group from the U17s. They finished second in the Premier Division. They will host a quarterfinal match in the playoffs next week, probably on Tuesday night. Hopefully, we'll have a broadcast of that, and I'll keep you posted. Make sure you subscribe to the Atlantic Soccer Media Group on YouTube for great coverage of the UPSL Georgia Premier Division. Matthew DeJaney, he currently leads the Golden Boot race from Atlanta United with 14 goals on the season. He had three appearances in MLS Next Pro, but he's been lighting it up in UPSL this year. Emmanuel Lom of North Georgia, he's got one more game to play, two goals behind DeJaney, who scored twice last week against KSA Pro Profile. Now, speaking of Dalton, it's the Roadrunners of Dalton State as one of the last college teams standing in the state of Georgia, as their men have reached the NAIA round of 16. That's going to be played next Thursday in Wichita, Kansas. Four goals in the second half on Saturday carried Dalton State to a 4-1 win over UC Merced in the round of 32. Josh Ramos scored and had an assist. Juan DeMichelis had two assists in that 4-1 win. The Roadrunners are the number four seed. They will face number 13 seed, William Penn University of Iowa. That's next Thursday at 1 o'clock. You can watch it on the NAIANetwork.com website. Headlines from around the world. Number one, let's stick here in Major League Soccer. The playoffs are back this weekend. Eastern Conference semifinals on Saturday. Orlando hosting Columbus at 530 
followed by Cincinnati hosting Philadelphia. Pat Noonan was named the MLS Siggy Schmidt Coach of the Year today from Cincinnati. Not really a surprise with their supporter shield win. No updates on potential further punishment for Matt Miazga. Now, he's suspended for this match against Philly. Yellow card accumulation. He managed to pick up three yellows in two games in the first round of the playoffs. And no, he was not sent off in any of those. He got a yellow in each game in regulation and got a yellow in the shootout following game number two. But he was being investigated by Major League Soccer, and I guess still is since we haven't heard any outcome from it, for entering the referee's locker room after the match. Lots of stories about how he was <laughs> evicted from the locker room, whether it was security, whether it was an FC Cincinnati team official who helped get him out of there. Any which way, he wasn't supposed to be there. And that's a huge problem after Miazga completely lost his cool all night long, but especially at the end of that game in regulation and in the shootout. You want some picks from me for this? I think Columbus can go to Orlando and get the win. I really like this Columbus team. Yeah, I might be a little bit biased since I just saw him play three times against Atlanta United. I think they've got more options tactically than Orlando does. I want to see how Orlando handles the pressure at home in this one. I think Philadelphia beat Cincinnati on the road. I think Cincinnati with no Miazga, no Nick Hagland, the back line's going to be a mess. And I don't know if they've got enough to deal with that. I think Philadelphia wins and Columbus wins. Both road teams. I think they both get the win in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Western Conference semifinals on Sunday, Houston hosting Sporting Kansas City at 7, followed by Seattle hosting LAFC. I like Houston to win at home in game number one, and I like Seattle to win at home in game number two, the complete reverse. We'll see how it goes. Uh, See if I get any of those correct going into the conference finals the following week. U.S. Men's National Team. We've talked about CONCACAF Nations League and qualifying for the Copa America. The USMNT got it done. They defeated Trinidad and Tobago on aggregate 4-2. Now, look, you don't need a performance from me, which I've seen going around from lots of folks. Started last night at halftime. Continued after the game. I'm sure every soccer podcast, every soccer show all over the country today has had their moments of let's get the soapbox out. Let's stand up and let's get a bullhorn and a megaphone and let's yell really loud. Serginho Dest did something stupid. You guys know that. I know that. He knows that. Everybody on that team knows that. Everybody in that coaching staff knows that. It was inexcusable, as Greg Berhalter said. You already know. You don't need me to sit here and yell about it. It cost the U.S. the game last night. Now, the result didn't matter. This was a two-leg aggregate series. They had a three-goal cushion going into it. They advanced 4-2 on aggregate. But yeah, they lost 2-1 on the road last night. And the reason why is they played with 10 men for over half the game because of Sergio Dest doing something stupid. It's got to be front of mind when you think about what your next roster is going to look like with the U.S. men's national team. I don't know if you can trust Sergio Dust. He's gotten two red cards this year. Both of them kind of on the dumb side. The last one was kind of dumb. This one was very dumb. He can't keep his head in difficult moments. You can't count on him. And he's an incredibly talented player, but he probably cost himself time with the national team. We'll see how it goes when we get into those games in March. 
look, the job's done for the USMNT. Yeah, it was difficult. Trinidad and Tobago played really well defensively. They committed to being hard to break down more than trying to get numbers forward. The U.S. attack without Christian Pulisic, without Timothy Weah, they struggled to figure it out. But getting those three goals in the last 10 minutes in the first leg was enough. Once they got the opening, they continued to get forward. And those extra goals after getting the first one, that's what puts you through. That's what good teams do. This team got the job done. You can sit here and yell because of whatever reason you think that the U.S. should have beaten Trinidad by 5, 6, 8, 12, 50, whatever. It's not realistic. Right now I'm watching Mexico at home 1-0 up on Honduras. They're in stoppage time. They got to find a goal to even have a chance to get through this round, let alone have that we dominated the performance kind of thing. Anthony Robinson was great. He led by example. He got goals in both games. I mentioned Mexico. It's 92nd minute. If they don't get through here now, they will have an opportunity in a playoff with Costa Rica in a neutral site in Texas to go to the Copa America. But wow, the pressure on Jaime Lozano if that happens. Panama, they booked their spot with a comprehensive win over Costa Rica. Jamaica had the big shock tonight. They won 3-2 in Toronto to eliminate Canada. Canada won in Jamaica 2-1 on Saturday. They blew a 1-0 lead. They blew a two-goal aggregate lead tonight. So you can be mad about the U.S. not beating Trinidad by enough. Look around and see how difficult it is. Number three on the headlines as we try to speed things up here. Germany, they lost again. They lost 2-0 to Austria in a friendly. Julian Nagelsmann took over in September. He lost two games in this window, including a home loss to Turkey. He's got to go back to the drawing board. They host the Euros next summer, and they're a mess. World Cup qualifying updates quickly. Lots of, of results as Africa and Asian qualifying got started. Asia, your favorites pretty much won. In Africa, Ghana and South Africa had embarrassing defeats today. Shocking defeats. The Comoros beat Ghana again. Rwanda, ranked number 140 in the world, they beat South Africa. We talked about South American qualifying earlier. Just to follow up on something that happened while we were on the air, Lionel Scaloni gave a press conference after Argentina's win. He said that he needs time to think about what he wants to do next. That nobody expected it. He said he's asked a lot from these players. He said it's not goodbye, but the bar is very high and it's difficult to continue. It's difficult to continue winning. It's time to think. Could Lionel Scaloni, the World Cup winning manager for Argentina, who has lost just a handful of games, could he be stepping away from the Argentine national team? My gut feeling is that he's exhausted after the loss to Uruguay and tonight's craziness in Brazil. I think he's going to stick around. I think he wants to see this through Copa America and beyond. But I think he's also exhausted. He said the team deserves, the fans deserve somebody with full energy to take this team forward. He's questioning on if he's going to be able to do that. Hopefully, he'll be able to find those reserves for it. So I think Scaloni's done an amazing job, obviously, with Argentina. But I think personally, the relationships with these players, he's been the perfect manager for that group. Three things that make me smile about the game to close us out on a Tuesday night. Number one, the progress at the University of Georgia under Kidani McAlpine. 
The women's team won their first SEC division title this year. They won their first SEC tournament title ever this year. And they came within a penalty shootout of advancing to the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. They lost at Clemson in penalties. It was a wild back and forth second half. A wild shootout that had twists and turns in it. But Clemson ended up eliminating Georgia. McAlpine has elevated the program to a place they've never been. It's been an incredible performance from him. And I can't wait to see what comes next for the Bulldogs over in Athens. Number two on things that make me smile. The second episode of the History of Atlanta Soccer podcast is out. Second chapter is maybe the better way to put it because we've crammed a lot of information into these and we keep having more episodes than we had planned on. It's been just so much fun to bring this to life along with Sandy McAfee of Atlanta United. The digital team led by Diego Pinzon has been instrumental in making it all come together, making it sound great. Check it out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And to finish off for number three, it's Thanksgiving week. And I'm just incredibly thankful for getting to live a life in soccer. I would have never guessed that I'd be talking on the radio with y'all each week, talking about soccer in Atlanta, talking about Mexico possibly getting upset by Honduras here, talking about Argentina and Brazil, talking about all of these things with y'all. Thank you so much for listening and making this one of the most successful podcasts on the station. Super cool. Thank you so much for allowing me to do what I do. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight as well. AST, we'll be back next Tuesday night at 10 o'clock. Enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday. I'll be back with you on Black Friday with Greg Clarkson from 6 to 10 a.m. Hopefully you can join us then. And adios, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.